you for listening to Front Porch Theology. I'm Jeremy. And I'm Will. And we are here to discuss little reflections out of uh, Mark 3, 7 through 21. It was a really interesting text. Now, it's funny because I think when you look at the text, um, nothing. I mean, there's a couple things that jump out. But some of it, the first part at least, was a lot of overview. Like we had talked about those things quite a bit. So, so just a listing. So, really, what was new that we had not seen was a, a listing of the apostles, right? And finding out that Jesus kind of had a crappy family. Yeah, he did. <laughs> um, yeah, really crappy family. They literally <laughs> were trying to arrest him and uh, yeah, tell him he's crazy. Time up. Yeah. Good. Hey, is Heather coming today? Well, it's funny you say that. Um, Heather is. I actually, see, we got a microphone set up for. Her. Yeah. Well, Heather's actually on the phone oh wow hey heather hey guys now um i got a question for you and i don't don't y'all need to just calm down number one calm down don't don't get all crazy and start talking about a bunch of stuff and behave okay i don't want to have to come in there and throat punch you so answer the question be quick all right so so heather we you had you want us to talk about something so go ahead and tell us what it is you want us to talk about okay here it is can you explain to me what an apostle is? Now be quick. All right, well, there it is. All right, she wants us to talk about apostles. Oh, So that's exactly okay. what we're going to do. All right. You act like you didn't hear. Well, <laughs> I mean, it was, it was kind of hard for me to hear. Um, All right, Heather, you go back to resting. I think maybe she was just going into your headphones. Yeah, maybe that's what it was. Yeah, yeah. I, I, only I could hear the voice. Um, so, yeah, there, there is uh, – Heather wants to talk about apostles. Uh, Heather, we hope we do hope you feel better, and um, yeah. So, let's talk about this. Thing. So, the apostles, I, I think, it was interesting because we preached on this text, and mm-hmm. and we did kind of an overview. You can't unpack such a big topic in you know in a thirty minute sermon, right? Um, but nor, nor would I want to preach on what we're about to talk about. Yeah, probably not. But I think there is an interesting. Well, <laughs> so we do a team sermon prep every week. And we actually got very sidetracked in sermon prep for this sermon yes. on the apostles. We spent maybe an hour uh, preparing, you know, comparing notes and working on the sermon, and then probably another hour, if not more, <laughs> just mindlessly <laughs> talking about who the apostles were. Um, so it's definitely a, a conversation that can that can drag on. Okay, but. so so let's let's start with this question. And this is okay. This okay for for people who are going to ask why does this matter let me say it matters because there are people who claim to be apostles yeah and and i would argue that these are heretical groups that seek to have power over people by claiming an an office that gives them it usually is a claim of supernatural ability too right right Um, and and, and, and special revelation yeah that's one reason it matters but i think there's other reasons it matters too i think it matters in regard to church history um so it matters in regards to how we got our bible um so every book of the new testament was tested by the ancient church with apostolicity which meant that it had to be written by or very closely connected to an apostle um so I, th- I think that comes into play as well, right? That, right. So that there had to be that connection to the apostles, which which has implications, meaning we're not going to have more scripture written. So, like the Book of Mormon, um, if if you right. have a, an apostol apostolic view of how we get the Bible, then the Book of Mormon is irrelevant. So. Well, and and, and uh, it's funny you mentioned Mormons because they will say 
that they're still apostles today. And that's what right. I mean by they will they will say that there's more revelation. Uh, a lot of heretics who call themselves apostles, a lot of your um, your I don't know what what you would call them, but they're kind of your um, health and wealth prosperity uh, mega church guys. Yeah. They'll call themselves apostles. They, they're still getting revelation from God. Um, and yeah, so it's really, it's really dangerous. And so having an understanding of what an apostle is, um, is maybe helpful. So let's start with So this. what we preached yeah. was, was the appointing uh, yes. or the ordination, if you will, of the, of the original 12, the OG apostles. Yeah. And Jesus takes them up on this mountain and he appoints them to it. It's, it's an office. It, it's the, the word apostolos means one who is sent with a mission. Um, so if we're just Wait, using the word, aren't broadly, we all sent with a mission? Exactly. So are we right? all apostles? So, so in a broad sense, yeah, we're all sent with a mission. We're given a great commission, right? That that we go and and make disciples. So, um, I think that's how you can get a little bit squirrely on who yeah. are apostles. So sometimes we'll use the term like lowercase a apostles mm-hmm. uh, and capital A apostles. Um, so who yeah. was actually appointed into an office in the first century? Um, now, there was a clear understanding, I think, um, that to be an apostle, to be in the office, you had to have um, interacted with the ministry of Jesus uh, while he was on earth, and you had to have seen him, you had to have been appointed by him, and you had to have uh, been a witness to the resurrection. Those seem to be kind of the the qualifiers of, yeah. of apostles. Yeah, so this leads us into some interesting conversations, right? Because as as we know, the 12 apostles, the that group doesn't remain, right? We have... Yeah, you got one of them who gets a little squirrely. You know, by the way, I can speak squirrel. Can you? Squeaker, squeak, squeak, squeaker, squeaky, squeaky. Wow, that was fluent. <laughs> have, you, have you ever seen the Emperor's New Groove? Nope. <laughs> well, it would make that's more sense if That's you why did. I didn't get that joke. I was just like... <laughs> For all our cartoon fans listening, they're they're cracking up right now. Well, listen, listen. Th- th- there is a great. Is it, is it night nineties? Late nineties? I don't know when it was. It when it was, but it, it's a great. It has, I know. I mean, I've heard of the Spade? movie. I know what the movie oh is, gosh. but I've never watched. Yeah, there's it. a part where there's gonna. Don't be really drunk. desire to either. Oh, you should. Especially not now. <laughs> you should just for that scene. Um. So well, yeah. So in the first century, they replace Judas. Right. Kind of like I'm thinking about replacing you <laughs> with Grunk. Yes. Uh, uh-oh, something happened. Something popped up. Is this is this okay? All right. Are we good still? Okay. So, yeah, so Judas gets replaced by Matthias. Now, I want to talk a little bit about this because this is this is such an interesting ordeal, especially when we talk about what And this is okay. Now, we're going to we're going to get in the weeds a little bit, right? So, this is gets a little confusing. But I, I think the point of it is, who an apostle is, I, I think is less clear, but is clear is that they don't exist today. I mean, yes, I, think I agree. I agree. We get into the weeds on who they are. Well, yeah. I think I think your your uh, hesitation is like the how they choose Matthias to replace Judas is weird. So in Acts 1, uh, about verse 20 through the end of the chapter, there's a descriptor of how Matthias is chosen to replace Judas. And I think the issue is it's a little bit weird. seems a little bit odd how that's done. And so you have Peter who's reading from, uh, he quotes a psalm um, in verse 20. He says, May his camp become desolate and let there be no one to dwell in it and let another take his office. And so he's claiming that the fulfillment of 
that prophecy in Psalms is the replacement of uh, Judas, one, right. of the, one of the apostles. Um, so he stands up and he says, hey, there's there's two, really I think I, I think it indicates there's only two potential guys who meet the requirements. Right. Um, uh, and so he says, they have been with us uh, since the baptism of John, so that's Jesus' baptism. So mm-hmm. one of the requirements is you had to be there um, for that. Um, and then his ministry, and um, and it says, until the day he was taken up from us, so the ascension, which means that there was an interaction even post-resurrection. And those two men are Joseph, called Barsabbas, who was called Justice, uh, and Matthias. I think one of the things working against Joseph was he had three names, and that was confusing. So it was easier to get an apostle with only one name. Um, but what they did was they prayed, and they said, You, Lord, who know the hearts of all, you will show us uh, who you have chosen to take his place. And then they cast lots in verse 26, and the lot falls on Matthias, and he was numbered with the 11 apostles. So he's kind of inducted into the 12. All right, so let, let me let me throw up a theory. Yeah. Okay, so one theory is probably the most accepted, which is this is all legit. Yeah. The Matthias is this replacement of Judas. The lots was a is definitely a weird way. It's kind of like rolling dice, or mainly a pagan way. But we see it in we see it. It was it was prescribed. It was to, we, we to be it. done in Leviticus. We though. see it. Like the um, Lord told His people to do it at certain certain times. All right. So this is this is what I find. So that's one theory. The yep. second theory is this: Peter, someone who who's kind of known to being a bit aggressive. Um, is this, he? Is cutting yeah. an ear off really aggressive? <laughs> yeah, he's he's so he's he's a go getter. He says, you know what? God said he's going to fulfill this. He said he's going to do this. Let me help him. Yeah. This is very, um, uh, sounds very similar to, to Abraham, uh, Hagar, and Sarah. Yeah. Right? The, almost the same exact thing. We, God said he's going to do something, fulfill something. We're going to help him. So this is done in that same vein. And I think it's important to know apostles uh, are not sinless either. Apostles right. make mistakes. Right. right? Peter is is obviously an apostle and he's um there's there's a big encounter between Paul and Peter where Paul like basically tells Gosh. him he's being a racist. Yeah. And, yeah. and so it, there's there's a big error that we see from Peter in the scriptures. Yeah, so Pete, they're not they're not perfect. Well, and, and not even not even that. But I I think that scripture reco- records the failures of all men. That's mm-hmm. King David, every Christ type, Abraham who's a Christ type, uh Noah who's a Christ type. Um, all of these people who who are supposed to reflect who this person of Jesus is or the followers of, of Jesus, we can see that they they all fell, fall short somewhere. They're, they fail. So what I what I find interesting is that even it, it shows men trying to be godly, mm-hmm. but also failing. So right. this isn't something outside of what the biblical narrative would would actually do. So what I find fascinating. Is and uh, and by the way, I'm not saying that Matthias isn't. I'm saying but that here's theory, a theory. But theory, that theory would say Peter kind of usurped some authority he didn't really have, right? And well, and, and using Peter's logic, there should be twelve apostles to to represent the twelve tribes of of Israel, right? Right. He he kind of comes to that conclusion, which a lot of people who hold that theory that Matthias wasn't legitimate would say that Paul is right. the rightful twelfth apostle. Yeah. Because so meanwhile, while this is happening, God is opening the eyes of a Jesus is literally showing up to a guy named Saul. Yeah. And, and calling him to be an apostle on the road to Damascus, which you see in Acts chapter nine. Yeah. Right? So yeah. you you have you have Jesus doing exact so. Maybe Peter's interpretation of the psalm is right, 
But maybe it wasn't up to him to maybe do it. Maybe Jesus was taking <laughs> taking the initiative to right. call his own apostles, L- like he did with the, with the original twelve. So, so that, that, I think that's the now there there we've talked about this, and Paul uh, recognizes Matthias as an apostle. So I think those are two good theories. Yeah. Um. I I, I would not have a problem with anybody who held either one of those. I think. Uh, for me, I, I'm of the first persuasion, meaning that I, I acknowledge that Matthias probably was a legitimate God-ordained apostle. The reason I hold that position is twofold. Number one, it, it's not condemned in Scripture. Yeah. So the rest of the Bible nowhere. I mean, Paul had no problem condemning Peter's actions. We right. know that from other instances, right. and he does not condemn the action of selecting Matthias. Um, there's no right. there's no condemnation from any other person who writes scripture. Um, but also I think most notably in 1 Corinthians 15 when Paul is kind of going through the list of who Jesus appeared to when he rose from the dead, he says that he appeared to the 12. Um, and I think that's interesting because Judas was already dead. Um, and it says right. he appeared to the 12. So who are the 12? Um, I think mm-hmm. that I think that uh, Paul is including Matthias in that group. He's not he's not counting himself as the yeah. 12. So but Peter gives these standards for an apostle. And this is where he gets a little hairier. Yeah, he says, "Okay, he was with us from this point." Right. Well, what? And then you have Paul. <laughs> then you have Paul. Right. 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 Paul now, is, uh, yeah, persecuting the church, killing people, presumably, or at least approving of their death. And, right. So I give the argument that he was there. He was just on the other side of the fence. Yeah, and I, I think you know, it doesn't say that in scripture, but I think it can be inferred that Paul was a, you know, we know he was a Pharisee, um, and he was he was part of the Sanhedrin, uh, and right. so, so Paul, who was known as Saul at that time was very influential. I think he was probably younger given given his timeline and how long he lived and, and mm-hmm. so forth. But um, but I think when you look at he was probably a the youngest or or of the younger side of the Sanhedrin. Um, the the contemporaries of Jesus who are um, who are kind of battling with him. I mean we're yeah. going through Mark, we see just like encounter after encounter of the Pharisees opposing him. I think Paul's definitely a young man in that in that camp. Now, something I would have loved to go more on you know, on Sunday. My, my message was a little bit long as it was. Yeah, it usually is. It is. I've been I've been doing better recently. Have you? Um, <laughs> I feel like I have. I feel like I have. We um is is the idea that that Judas is chosen as an apostle, though he's an unbeliever, mm-hmm. and and that's not that's not. I mean, Scripture's clear that that he is condemned. So, why, how is it that Jesus would choose? No, I mean, this again, Jesus knew this was going to happen. He says yeah. this multiple times, that one of you is going to betray me. He knows which one it is. He chooses on purpose and ordains on purpose yeah. a man, an unbeliever, to be an apostle. Yeah, we certainly wouldn't advise that in any <laughs> church, right? You know, um, right. We wouldn't ordain anyone what if we know Jesus they're not a believer. Yeah. <laughs> he would ordain non-believers into ministry roles. For, for the sake of being killed by them. Yeah, yeah. so I you know, I think I think what's more profound is the fact that um, I, I believe that when Jesus made him an apostle, he gave him the power that came along with that, too. Oh, I mean, he gave him, uh, it says he gives them authority to preach and to cast out demons. Yeah. So, so I... I, you know, I've taken the Bible for what it says, and so I think Judas had that ability. Yeah. I think Judas is out here preaching good news. I think people hear uh, good news and and the arrival of the Messiah from a non-believer Judas. I think demons were probably cast out by Judas, um, and I think this may be one example of why Jesus says uh, in the example of Lord, did we not do many great works in your name? Did we not cast out demons in your name? 
um, yeah. that people are going to be able to say, "Hey, we did all these things," but it's not what you do; it's it's who your allegiance is to. Yeah, yeah. It's 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 a it's <clears throat> it's definitely crazy. I mean, it's it's complicated. It's crazy. It's one of those mysteries. I mean, the Lord and His sovereignty was was working out His plan, um, and Judas bears the responsibility for everything he did. Um, Where well, I'm going to throw you for a curveball. Okay, so do that. Ephesians, Ephesians says that the church is given apostles. Yeah. It says the church is given evangelists. It's not talking about the church in, in you know in the very very beginning. It's talking about the church as it stands right now is given giving preachers, teachers, evangelists, shepherds and it says apostles. Yeah. So, what what you going to do about that? Yeah, that's difficult. Um and I think that's I think that's the kind of the proof verse that a lot of modern day people who call themselves apostles sure, use. Sure. Um, I tend to look at those five um, words. Um, apostolos is the root word in Greek, which which means one who is sent. Yeah. Um, I tend to look at that passage specifically. Paul's talking about people that are gifted to the church, members of the body, yep. um, to, to bless the body and to advance the mission. Um, so I think what's in, in mind there is a spiritual gifting rather than an office. So this is why I think... It's hard to say it's an office. He doesn't say elders, right? He doesn't, and he doesn't say deacons either. He doesn't, say de- he doesn't mention the other offices. He mentions right. giftings. And if that it these is, have. and if it is an office for the church uh, going forward, wait, a preachers isn't an office? No, it's not. I get asked all the time, Are "You a preacher?" <clears throat> no, it's not an office. Oh. Um, elder, um, don't tell that elder to is, some yeah. traveling preachers. Elder and deacon. <laughs> Evangelist is not an office. Um, there are some denominations, or really in the independent circle, yeah. um, a lot of independent churches kind of view evangelist as an office of the church, but yeah. it's just not. It's not. The church is local. Uh, the church is, is not, um, I mean, it's just not, not to knock people that go around and evangelize. That's a good thing to do, but it needs to be under the authority of a local church. But that's maybe a rabbit trail. But the point is... Right, because I would... Well, never... Yes. There, is, are not, there are not requirements for these. If you view these as offices where are the requirements for them biblically um so you have multiple places in scripture the requirements for elders and and deacons too um but you don't see the requirements to be an evangelist you don't see the requirements to be a shepherd you know like those types of things and so um I, i think those are descriptors not offices um and so if those are descriptors which is what i believe they are then i think there are spiritual giftings um, and I'm careful to use this because you don't want to sound like a kooky, supernatural, re- revelatory type guy. But like, I think there is a spiritual gift of an apostolic nature, meaning um, you are gifted in such a way that you are um, uniquely uh, built by God to be sent um, from from one place to another place where there needs to be a new gospel work. So think of like international missionaries, yeah. um, people who are uniquely gifted to learn a new language. Go to a place where the gospel is not known. Establish a ministry. Raise up natives to start churches. I think I think that's an apostolic gifting. They're they're being sent yeah. somewhere. Um, I think church planting. Mm-hmm. Um, ten, church planters tend to have an apostolic gifting. Yeah. So so it's uh, yeah. When you look at, um, I think of the guy we met in Chicago. I don't know. He worked closely with. Um, I've never been to Chicago with you. No, I was in Chicago. It was St. Louis. St. Yes, Louis. I have been to St. Louis. Yeah, it was a pastor from Chicago. I've been to Chicago. Yeah. It's very windy. It's a nice place. Never we, been there with you, though. We went, that's true. We <laughs> we, we went, and we we were at a cigar lounge, and we, it was the, uh, the bald fella. 
Doctor Joe Thorne. Joe Thorne, and it was and it was uh, another guy that he, he lives near Chicago. He knew, he that's your confusion, that's actually. actually right. yeah. <laughs> well, no, this pastor was in Chicago and was pastor, not Joe Thorne, but the other guy. And he no. he literally pastored. He would plant churches and leave them. Like yeah. he would he would stay there for two three years with the purpose of raising up someone. Yeah. And so, like, like Paul did, right? That that is that is a gifting. That's an apostolic gifting, w- without question. So, like, I say this as someone who d- cannot plant a church and has not planted a church. Um, like, it is a gifting to be able to do that. Um, and so, <clears throat> just like uh, shepherding or, or or teaching and any of that, yeah. evangelizing is is honestly a a. So it's so funny we say that evangelism is a gifting because, okay, so so just kind of side. Get distracted a little bit. Sorry, I don't want to. I just drank a bunch of soda. I'm trying not to burp into the microphone. <laughs> um, Thank you. If it sounds like I'm getting like like teary eyed over here, I'm just trying to keep down a, a good old belch. Um, so if if should people who don't if they don't have giftings, should they do should they do them? If I can't teach, should I teach? If I can't preach, should I preach? If I can't if I'm not, if I don't have the gifting of apostleship, should I go be sent out somewhere? If I, if I don't have the gifting of evangelism, should I evangelize? So I would say, yeah. If you don't have the gifting of apostleship, you shouldn't be sent somewhere. Um, but but evangelism is different, I think, because it's built into the Great Commission, which is for all Christians. Yeah. Um, so if you're going to make disciples and baptize them, um, inherent is that in that is being on mission. Um, you're called to be light and darkness, et cetera, et cetera. So I think evangelism is built in. There are certain people who are very gifted at evangelism. Mm-hmm. Um, there are certain people who aren't very winsome in their personality and yeah. maybe aren't as outgoing. They're gonna, they're not probably going to lead as many people to Christ or see as many conversions. Um, but that doesn't, that doesn't minimize uh, their impact spiritually. They, they may yeah. just be gifted in other ways. But I think, I think all of us are still called to kind of open our eyes to what's around us and be able to give an answer for the hope that's in us, that sort of thing. Yeah, I and, mean, and Scripture just calls us to that. Yeah, you know, it's it's. I think all Christians are called to preach the gospel, right? All we're mm-hmm. all called to teach at some level, right? Um, and even I, I know what you mean by not being sent out, but even um, I know you would agree that all of us are sent at least to the place that we're at. Yeah, I mean, to some extent. Yeah, yeah. Though we're maybe not called to start up a ministry, right? Um, so, but I, I think what's important is there's sometimes a guilt, and I knew that I had this for for a long time that. I, I am not someone whose strength is evangelism. Yeah. Um, but I remember feeling guilty, like, man, I haven't brought as many people to the Lord as that guy over there. Yeah. Like, what am I doing wrong? Right. But that's just not my strong suit. Right. So so whereas whereas you are very much an evangelist, and I don't mean that in the crazy independent way, who who don't actually evangelize, but that's neither here nor there. <laughs> the the <laughs> but but um I, I tend to be I like the more discipleship side of things. Yeah. Um there, it's it's interesting that yeah, I'm not these, as heavy of a teacher or a shepherd as you are. So it, it's funny. There's these two sides of the plane that that one tends to get a little bit more focused. Now I think I think, but that's why that's why they're all right. listed. That's right. Um, that's why that's why Paul says he gave all of these to the church you, because you, the church you need needs the all of the them. ship to know where we're going. Yeah, the, yeah. <laughs> all, the church needs all of these giftings. Um, that's why the the hand can't say to the foot, you know, yeah. I have no need of you, and so. Um, so yeah, those things are important and um, and needed, and I think I think it's it's just right for us to to kind of stay within the bounds of uh, the lordship of Jesus in all things. Um, so Jesus is Lord; he's he's called sinners into the church that he's graciously allowed to be on mission with him. Um, but even like the way that um, 
the way demons are, are interacting, um, there's a lot of demonic stuff going on in the Gospel of Mark as we go through it, which is interesting. There is. Uh, which we, we had one question about that. Uh, but I think it shows us um, the lordship of Jesus because because the apostles are given authority to cast out demons. Mm-hmm. Um, but you, you don't see any interactions of demons with... Uh, with the apostles, quite like you do with Jesus. Matter of fact, there's in, in at least one of the gospels. It might be in multiple of the synoptic gospels. You you have an account where they're uh, the apostles are trying to cast out demons and they're unable to do so. Jesus kind of ca- has to come in and give reinforcements. But um, in all of these encounters with uh, demons, with with all the apostles and everything they were endowed with, and as as thankful as the church ought to be for the apostles, um, ultimately Jesus is the one who's Lord. And so what you see in Mark uh, chapter 3 is another example. And we've talked about this before, but specifically, um, let's see, specifically in verse 11, Mark 3, 11, um, and 12, it says, Whenever unclean spirits saw him, they fell down before him and cried out, You are the Son of God. And he strictly ordered them not to make him known. And so, uh, Jeremy, why, why did he ask the demons? Not ask them, he told them. Why did he tell the demons? Don't make me known. Yeah, don't, so, don't tell people who I am. So I, I think that I think what we have is Jesus trying. I say trying. He's doing it, um, keeping his reputation um, from spreading bigger than what it already was. Keeping it from spreading as fast as it already was. So I think I think there is a, a real threat of. Um, so people obviously saw him as healer, and I think there's a debate on how many people saw him as Messiah or not. But I think the greater of the spread that he was Messiah, uh, the greater uh, disru- disruption that would have been in that local region. It's a very small region. And so you have, um, I think, whether it's worried that, that the Romans would, would do something about this, uh, as there was talks about their, the Messiah being present and the Messiah was supposed to bring in this new kingdom, um, so I think I think some I think some of that and his time for arrest and murder um, crucifixion right. wasn't right. wasn't there yet. Yeah, so, so he kind of prolonging ministry. He was fixing the timeline. Yeah, that's what he was doing. Yeah, and um, I think it's interesting too that um, that he he's he's very strategic and that he's not just trying to get as big of a crowd as he can possibly get. Yeah, and um, and he refuses to allow his messiahship to be announced by. The kingdom of darkness. Yes, he's a, yeah. he's going to be the one to announce it, not not demons. Which so is he's funny. not going to become known as the Messiah by by demonic announcement. And we'll talk about it this week, but we see the Pharisees get wind that he is casting out demons. Yeah, right. So so people are noticing and seeing. I mean, not naturally. If, if I had a demon cast out of me, and then I have Jesus standing over me, I'm like, I'm gonna, I'm probably gonna tell somebody. Um, but you, it naturally they get this. They they hear that this. That the demons know who he is, yeah, right, which causes them to go. Well, if they knew who he is, he must be evil, right? Never mind that he's casting. Them they out were there. hanging out in hell before this, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> strategizing on how to just destroy their own kingdom, yeah. Um, and so it it, it brings up it, and we kind of see the that that part of the um, the narrative of Jesus uh, ministry kind of carry over into this week's, which is which will be interesting. So we we don't want to spoil that, yeah. But um, but I think it is it's telling it's interesting that uh, just how Jesus interacts with um, with demons is is um, 
Definitely interesting. In, in Mark one thirty four, it says he healed many who were sick with various diseases, and we preached on this. He cast out demons, and he would not permit the demons to speak because they knew him. So right. we see another example. So there's there's already a few examples, just three chapters in a Mark of him kind of silencing mm-hmm. the demonic world, and uh, he's he's going to actually talk about that at length. What we're going to be covering um, this Sunday. So, so you know what? Something that Heather asked last week, uh, she didn't ask it on the phone call, but I know she was curious. She said. And we didn't touch. She goes, Jeremy, how come you don't use points when you preach? You use points all the time. I've seen you. You go like this. I point, I point my finger. You point at people as you're yelling the gospel. It's actually, you could say it's a PowerPoint. Yeah, so you're this like this has nothing to do with, power. with any of the topics PowerPoint, that we're talking about. PowerPoint. 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 <laughs> But but I thought it was in, I just it was interesting to me, um, and I didn't. I didn't she was really mad it. about it. I, well, surprise, surprise. She's a note taker. She she's a, a Bible journaler. Yeah, and you so, weren't clearly telling her her points. I'm not saying take the write down this point. Yeah, so so it's really interesting because like I think there are some people that are point people, and those who aren't. I think that's a lot of this is probably just the tradition in which you grow up in. Um, so I so why do you give points? You give points to help people take notes. Uh no, I don't think so. Okay, I, I know people do. Sometimes I'll use that as like a moniker of like, hey, if you're a note taker, you can write this down, um, just to kind of show that I'm transitioning. I think I give points. Um, I think it's just a uh, phonetic device of showing people where I am in the presentation. Gotcha. I think it's. I think it's a. I think my main reason for giving points is to let people know where I'm going, mm-hmm. so they can hang with me. So it's kind of like if you know the end destination, I think you're more willing to hang with me and pay attention. So, it's, um, it's so f- if you so if you know if you don't know how long it's going to drag on, right. you're like, okay, well, here's a transition. I can kind of take a breath. I can shift in my seat. I can lean in. Here's yeah. the next point. That sort of thing. So it's funny because I think I do that. I just don't say here's my next point. So if the point, let's say, is the crowds, I'll say something along the lines of, and so I said, I'll say, so now he, you know, he faces the crowds. So we go from the <laughs> the disciples, or, or no, excuse me, let's say this disciple. We go from the crowds to now. The disciples. So, yeah. like, I and then and then when I get down to let's say in this case uh, the family, I'll say, okay, we, we went from the crowds to the disciples, and now we're at his family. So I do that. I just don't say it's like point one, point two, point three. So you're just saying Heather's not paying close enough attention to catch him all the time. Listen, I would never say that about Heather. So <laughs> I'll let I'll let your words speak for themselves. And and Heather, I I I am I'm sorry if I. I, I see she's calling back in, but I'm not going to answer that. Yeah, do I'm just not gonna, answer it. <laughs> yeah. It'd be too much editing of the expletives. So it would just be before we before we uh, before we get off the podcast, I'm curious: yeah. Are you a note taker? Like when you're listening to sermons or listening to anything, are you? Mm, that's a good you, question. You kind of learn and think that way. Are you a note taker? Um, so, so I am a auditory learner. So I I just listen, and uh, but if. If some, I, I what I have to do, what I typically do is I, I am, I'll be doodling as I'm listening, and I may write down a certain like word or two that will yeah. mean something, but uh, yeah, so I will be moving my hand. I'm not always writing words. Sometimes I have to, I have to keep myself moving to, to kind of, uh, I think, to pay attention. So I'm not um, a doodler, but I'm, yeah. I'm not a note taker either. Yeah, I remember like in college and stuff, like people thought I just didn't care about anything oh. and. Wasn't wasn't paying attention. It's like no, I'm I'm taking this all in. I'll just actually like it makes me not catch what's being said if I'm taking yeah, notes. Right. Right. I can't like because I'm focused on what I'm writing and then I miss what's being said. I'm just not able to do it. So, so I I very rarely take notes on anything. I'll write keywords. So if someone looks at my notes, they'll be like, I have no clue what this. What what did you get out of this? You, you know what I do actually a, more often. What's that? Is I'll listen to something and then after it's over, I'll go sit down and take notes. 
Yeah, okay. Like after it's done. Like okay. I do this in counseling a lot. I'll do a whole yeah. counseling session and not write anything down, and then after it I'll take notes. So I, I learned what worked for me was I would – so like I might write down like Eisenhower, something, 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 Droll Dragon. Um, And then what I'll do – Eisenhower is the dragon? No, no, the dragon had nothing to do with the notes. That was my doodle. So, but, I but that was an eschatological so implication. <laughs> what I would do then is I would go record myself talking about the notes because where I'm an auditory learner – Talking about it reemphasizes the auditory, hmm. so I can. That's just how I learn. Yeah, yeah. That's why. That's why I like listening to podcasts. Honestly, it's just it's just the way I learn, or, or or listening to YouTube. I listen to YouTube videos more than I watch them. So I just, yeah, interesting. Yeah, it's just a lot of just a lot of great stuff on YouTube. Well, this has been an enlightening conversation. I, you know, what? I think you've you've got what it takes to be an apostle. <laughs> you know, that's definitely not the case. Well, it's not going to happen because it just theologically and biblically <laughs> cannot happen. But if it could. I think Jesus might pick you, Jeremy. So, before yeah, before we get off, did you? Um, I was gonna see if you wanted to watch the movie Seven. Is that the Brad Pitt movie? Yes, yeah, the the Brad Pitt movie. You so, love Brad Pitt, don't you? Uh, man, Legends of the Fall. I don't, I don't even know what that is. You got an obsession <laughs> with Brad Pitt. No, so I as I was a uh, in the nineties, I was I was a Brad Pitt fan, not so much because of Legends of the Fall, um, but like Twelve Monkeys. Did you ever see that? No. It's about a virus, a pandemic. No. Okay, it's really good. Um, and also, I don't watch a lot seven. of stuff. Wait, so I used to review movies. So that. So that's... you want to watch seven? You want to watch it today? You know I can't watch it today. This is what you do. This is what you do. You. I'm here and available. I'll watch it right now. <laughs> with, we, with my kids here. We can stop recording. And we can turn on right now. <laughs> here, here at our office. Right. Well, I I think it's a shame you haven't seen it. You need to see it. Um, listen, I, what I want to ask people is if they're listening to this, Will's not seen any movies ever, right? He, the man has not seen anything except for like bass pro fishing stuff. Bill dance videos. <laughs> Whoever that is. <laughs> Bill dance. Um, so he watches Bill dance. This, he needs, he needs to learn some good film. If you would submit a film that you would want him to see. Put it on. Just don't even ask Heather. Just put it on her Facebook page. Just start listing films hmm. on it and that Will needs to watch because he, honestly, it's it's really sad. I haven't seen. You need number one. You need to go see uh, the, the Emperor's New Groove. That's yeah. Well, you can watch that with your kids. That's fun. Squeaker, squeaky, squeaky. <laughs> All right. Well, that's it. Thank Sounds you. horrible. <laughs> Thank you for listening. Uh, submit your questions over the app and have a great day.